Welcome to the AI Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Schaefer. Today, we are joined by Trisha Martinez, who is currently serving as a managing director at Techstars. She's at the helm of an accelerator program that shapes the future of various technology sectors from AI to fintech and beyond. Before her role at Techstars, Trisha was a White House Presidential Innovation Fellow at the Department of Energy, where she was instrumental in steering innovation and AI strategies at a federal level. A serial entrepreneur with a global perspective, Trisha is passionately committed to leveraging technology and AI to tackle some of the most pressing challenges today. Welcome to the AI Chat Podcast, Trisha. Oh my gosh, what a nice intro. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> Great to have you on. For those that don't know, I actually met Trisha uh, a little while back at the AI4 um, conference. She was speaking on a panel um, about AI and venture capital, um, and she had some amazing points. So I was like, oh my gosh, we got to get around the podcast to, uh, to talk about your perspective and what you're seeing. Um, I would love to kick it over to you and maybe you can tell everyone a little bit about, um, first off, I'm sure people are a little bit curious about kind of your journey into the world of technology and innovation and kind of what, like at the very beginning kind of sparked your interest to get into this in the beginning. Yes. Yeah. I have, it's a very crazy long career path journey that I've been on. So in short, I am on a mission to bring what I call far out ideas that can change the world's life. So I started my life as a founder. I defined myself founder first and then investor. I built and scaled a the first digital bank in Africa um, for about a decade across a number of markets in sub-Saharan Africa, grew it to hundreds of thousands of users, ended up having a failed exit with a Chinese bank. Oh no. Because in the whole other conversation, oh my gosh. fascinating story <laughs> that needs to, to, to be turned into a book. But I started my journey in in this in the tech world mainly because I started out in economics. I knew that I wanted to study data and understand at a deeper level why problems existed. I'm fascinated by big problems. I wanted to invest my career in helping solve those big problems. I originally thought going to the public sector as a policymaker, as an elected official, was the best way to do that. Uh, as I had a short in uh, politics, I quickly was like, this is not for me. It's so slow moving, very bureaucratic, lacks innovation, a lot of chaos and garbage, I'll say, Yeah, uh, which was very discouraging for me. And I said, I decided, you know, the, I, I guess I maybe discovered the path of entrepreneurship while I was doing my master's. Um, I was building a, a company and quickly discovered through business classes that like, hey, you can build things that solve real problems and create impact while also generating revenue and profit. And that's when I went on this journey. And so I had spent so much time specifically in the poverty alleviation area around microfinance. And I said, I'm going to just go and start building something because nobody else is building it. And um, I just kind of jumped in and it was really scary, but I never looked back ever since. I'm addicted to building things. It's a, an invigorating feeling when you discover a problem and you get traction, and you start solving it. And after I spent how, you know, a decade building my baby called Walla, uh, a lot of sweat, blood and tears into that. I knew I wanted to build something, but I wasn't sure what. Okay. And I didn't, ha I didn't have the energy to go invest in building again. And that's why I decided to go become a fellow with the White House. I wanted to position myself on, in the climate battle. I loved AI. I loved climate. 
I wanted to figure out what I could build to help move the needle on this very massive challenge we were up against. And so I guess serendipitously, I ended up falling back into Techstars because while I was a fellow at the Department of Energy working across our 17 national laboratories, the largest national lab was launching a Techstars and they said, hey, come and build this for us and go invest in these awesome AI deep tech companies. So I kind of went full circle, um, public to private, back to public, back to private. Okay. Was a founder. I'm still a founder, but now I'm an investor. And I, I really made a commitment to the startup community because I hated working with VCs and investors because I really felt they lacked empathy mm-hmm. for founders. Okay. If you haven't built something, it's hard to really uh, understand what a founder goes through. And so I wanted to be that investor that truly understood problems that founders dealt with and specifically was backing technologies like artificial intelligence that could change our world. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Well, what an amazing career path and journey. That's hilarious going in and out of, you know, the the um, the public side to the company side and back and forth. So that's amazing. Talk to us a little bit about right now, right? You're a managing director at Techstars and you, you talked a little bit about how you got into that. When you're right now, you're kind of looking at these accelerator programs, you're looking at investing into these AI companies or other companies that have big impact. What are the things that you are currently looking for, right? Like people that are applying for Techstars or other programs, like what what is it um, that you are specifically looking for in these companies? So a number of things, but let's talk about, I guess, the, the AI companies I invest in since this is a podcast focused on AI. Yes. I, I for, for over a decade, I have been very bullish on AI. I've always seen it as a tool. It's not a silver bullet. It's a tool that will enable us to solve some really big problems. And when I look at companies, I first begin by defining a thesis. And there are a number of areas that I care a lot about because I see them as being instrumental to solving problems, but it's also because the market is moving in this direction. So um, for this Techstars Chicago AI accelerator that I run, I wanted to find great companies across climate tech, across health tech, across biotech, fintech, human resources, education. I wanted to find founders that were using AI as a tool to address some of the big problems that exist within those industries. Um, and so that's first and foremost, identifying the thesis and then going hunting down the ecosystem to find great founders building in those domains. And then when I'm looking at companies, so to give you a sense, we identified over 3,000 companies for this accelerator. Wow. We have met with hundreds of them through Zoom calls, conferences, in-person, webinars, all those things, and narrowed it down to 12 that we invest in. And we're about to announce those 12 AI companies come September. But the the number one driver of wanting to invest in a company is, is the founder, is the founding team, right? I want to see that this team has what it takes to build this and is super gritty and passionate and is willing to do whatever it takes to, to build that technology, get it to market and solve a big problem. Because as we all know, being a founder is insanely hard. You're going to be thrown a billion things your way that you have to manage. You're wearing every single hat. You need to know how to navigate complex markets, deal with ups and downs and chaos. And it's not for everyone. And so if you are super perseverant and gritty, I have more faith in you as a founder. Uh, and I say that in large part because I built a, a, a financial technology company, a blockchain company, 
in sub-Saharan Africa, which, um, you know, like, so like all these crazy things, emerging markets, you know, uh, financial inclusion, block, a novel block technology, all, everything was working against us. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so like, I, I want to find founders that are prepared to go take that battle, uh, and are ready to, to lead the charge. So team is super, super important. And probably the most important thing in my mind, followed by market is now the right time, right? And no one can ever say timing is so difficult to determine. I thought what I was building was the right time. Now I would say, isn't the right time to build what we were building. So like you can never get it right. Mm -hmm. You're lucky. It's always about luck and timing. Um, but maybe we can try to get a sense of whether the now is the right time based on macro and micro economic factors. And then lastly is traction. So prove to me, show me the data. I want to see you hustle, talk to your customers. What problems are they dealing with? Put the product in front of them. How are they reacting to it? Are you losing customers? That's a good thing because you're learning, you're iterating. Mm. So I want to see traction. And as every investor does, we want to see that you've found, you've discovered something that others have not discovered. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that sounds, that sounds uh, super critical. Um, I know that you have you kind of went back and forth between, you know, government and private companies and back and forth in that play. And this is an interesting topic and area because right now I think there is a definite trend in the market today where, you know, you have companies like OpenAI pushing for more regulation in AI, some people saying there should be less. Where do you kind of where do you kind of see this playing out with, you know, based on your experience in government and in the private side? Uh, what do you think OpenAI's play is here and, and where do you kind of see this going? Yeah, that's funny because that's what we talked about at the the event. You know, I regulation is absolutely coming. I, I'm actually comparing it a lot to the, and I think I said this at the event, the ICO craze. Like we did not regulate cryptocurrency and things got ugly. Um, a lot of companies, people raised money and took advantage of investors and then Things were never actually built. And so it was a really shitty situation. And the government should have stepped in and put in some boundaries. But there's a lot of complexity with that. You don't want to put too many boundaries because that cycles innovation. And then it deters people from wanting to build. My fear right now is that um, we have the biggest companies, Google, OpenAI, Amazon, NVIDIA, some of these other groups that are leaders and already owning a huge market share and are kind of building a moat with regulation, um, mainly open AI, you know, based on the things that they're saying and how they're leading this cause or the charge forward, but they want regulation because it enables them how to vote and to protect their market share. That's really shitty for founders and for other innovators who want to build. And so like, Playing into that is open source. We want to create open ecosystems so more companies, founders, technologists can build. We can learn. We can solve big problems. Regulation is definitely coming, but the big concern is the government doesn't know how to regulate this. And then the technology is moving too fast that it's really hard to regulate it. Um, I don't have the answer. I don't know what the right regulation is or what that looks like. I do know we do need to, the government does need to step into an extent and, um, I do, like we, I said before, I call bullshit on OpenAI. They are not doing this to benefit the AI community. They're doing it to benefit themselves. Yes. Yep. 
And I think that's a, I think that is a perspective that is shared by some, although there's a lot of people that, you know, have some pushback on that because like you said, it, it is a, a difficult balance, right? People are like, yes, we need regulation. How much? And so right now, if OpenAI is pushing it for, for it, one of the few, then everyone kind of that is in that camp jumps on that bandwagon. So it will be interesting to see where it goes. Um, you know, you kind of talked about comparing this a little bit to um, what happened with crypto. And I know you have a very deep understanding of this, right? You built a blockchain company for 10 years. Talk to me a little bit about comparing kind of like the last hype cycle, which was this crypto idea. And then what's happening with AI today. Do you see this as like an AI bubble? Where do you, how do you see this compared to previous cycles we've seen? Oh, there's so much garbage right now. It's crypto bros turned AI bros. I'm not kidding. It's, it, it makes me sad because, um, so when I was building my company, you know, at the start, we were looking at AI before AI was a buzzword. We built blockchain, not because it was a buzz, but because it was our only alternative. We couldn't get our financial product to market without a bank. And so we said, screw the banks, we will be the bank ourselves by operating on blockchain. There are now so many companies who are just trying to pull AI into their name because investors are wanting to invest. And so they know it'll give them uh, an edge. And, um, you know, I think the, at the end of the day, this is a bubble. And so the, I think the, the buzz and the, the chaos around it will end up quieting down and it'll start disappearing. Um, but a lot of companies will probably get funded that are not true AI companies, but maybe they are just operating on top of chat GPT and they're not building like artificial intelligence infrastructure, for example. Um, but um, I think buzz is good, right? Like people say any PR is good PR. Mm. And so I think um, people are becoming aware of this truly revolutionary technology that is going to transform the way every single one of us lives uh, and how our planet operates. And so it's a positive in that we'll be exposed to it and learning about it. But I, I am worried that there will be bad actors and we will that will have a negative effect on the overall technology and the ecosystem. The funny thing is that, you know, we have 17 federally funded national laboratories, which are building the most advanced technologies in the world, right? We have the biggest supercomputers that are advancing quantum computing, Pacific Northwest National Lab in Washington, Oak Ridge National Lab in Tennessee, Argonne in Chicago. They are leaders in AI and have been building AI for decades and decades, yet no one was ever talking about it. And so it's funny that now this is like a buzz and it's a cool thing. And it's right. Like, yeah, it's been happening for so long. And so I think most people who operate in the AI feel are like, whatever, this will disappear down like i'm putting my heads on and we keep building but um it's unfortunate to see the buzz but it's also a pop so um it will disappear but uh, who knows when okay yeah yeah i think that is definitely a sentiment right now we're seeing like virtually every company i swear has like a new ai product coming out which a lot of them it's like a wrapper on top of open ai they're, they're just like they're, they have a little Ill yeah an ai feature and uh they're like we're an ai company now it's like no, you're you're just a regular. <laughs> and it's like the the thing that I think is interesting is it's not bad. Like their AI features are super useful. They're super cool. It's, yeah. But it's absolutely what it is, right? Like you're yeah. an AI company yeah. or you're not. Yeah. And some companies are now I think I guess the positive though is some companies are realizing are being exposed to AI and it's like, oh, actually we should have always been building mm -hmm. AI. And now we're gonna build a massive company and scale to help you problems. So like there are positives to that, but I think 
most of the noise um, and those companies will probably end up dying out, especially because the market is so shitty right now yep. and investors are becoming more risk averse that um, you really need to prove to funders that you have product market fit, you have customers, traction, revenue, a lot of data to back everything up. So if you're just putting an AI sticker on your brand, um, they'll be able to call bullshit on you. Yeah. And I think it's completely warranted. So I, it honestly makes me, it makes me a little bit happy seeing how the market is a, like a lot tighter this time around than um, kind of the frothier 2021 cycles we've yeah. seen. Yeah, I like to see, I like to see uh, companies have to kind of fight and work harder. Yeah. It's like gross almost to see people with bad ideas get like a ton of money in a big frothy market. So I think- the Oh, way- absolutely. Yeah, yeah. This is the best part to time to build a company. Yeah. Because only the good companies are going to survive and the yeah. rest will die out. So it's it's awesome. I think this is a, a really good time for our tech industry. Yes, 100%. And I mean, you see like in the last downturns, housing market crash, companies coming out of that was like like Uber and like Airbnb. Yeah. And these companies that went super huge and it's because they had to really fight for it. Um, I know you've seen this because, you know, you had a lot of grit working 10 years on your blockchain company. And you also mentioned this earlier, this kind of concept of you really look for founders and team that have grit. Um, this is something really interesting you've talked about. And I'd love to kind of dive a little bit deeper on that. What are you looking for specifically? And how do you kind of identify? How can you tell if like a team or a founder has like really that grit? I mean, obviously you've had it. You worked 10 years in there. But how do you identify that in others? So I love this. I actually, I tell my founders to read Grit by Angela Duckworth. Okay. Uh, I think Grit is like the most important characteristic. And I think the positive is it's not something you're born with. It's something you develop and hone over time. And so you'll see found people, so not even just founders, people who have gone through significant hardship are super gritty because they have failed at things. They've learned that they need to bounce back. If you're from, um, you know, a low-income background and you don't have a great upbringing, generally those individuals are really gritty because they kind of figure out how to survive and bounce back. Those are the things that I look for. Like, I don't want to invest in the traditional, you know, trust fund baby that went to Stanford because I'm like, have you ever dealt with anything hard in your life? Like, everything's been handed to you and things seem pretty easy. I look for the founders that generally have lived an experience and have identified that as a problem that they want to solve. But um, it is as a, as whoever is listening, like this is a, a, a trait that you can develop and you don't want to go out and try to like, force yourself to fail <laughs> and go through like really hard things. But like, it's something that over time and with practice you can develop. And so I recommend reading for it. Um, but it's basically me practicing empathy. I want to get to know every founder really, really well before I invest in them. I want to know who you are, your background, what excites you, what motivates you, what do you do for fun, what is your family like? Uh, because that paints a picture of who you are and you know why you're even doing this. So, like motivators are really important, um, and and we find that people who are super gritty are not ones who are like exceptionally good at, um, let's say, let's say an athlete. They're not the best all-star athlete. They were born that way. They actually had to practice hundreds and hundreds or thousands of hours more than the other athletes. That's what turns them into better athletes and makes them grittier. Um, so those are the things that I look for in founders. I want to try to you know, assess that based on in-depth conversation with them. 
I love that. Yeah, that's that's incredible. And obviously, it's super critical. Um, it really, I think what separates people that are successful a lot of the time versus not is just people that never gave up, right? If you keep pushing, yeah. inevitably, keep pushing and pivoting, like inevitably you can uh, achieve success where you have a 0% chance as soon as you quit. I have a very interesting question for you. Um, I'd love to pick your brain around, you mentioned earlier that sometimes you feel like um, there's going to be with the AI hype or the bubble, whatever, there's going to be like people that give AI perhaps a bad name that's going to happen with that. We've seen this with crypto, right? There's the whole crypto thing and there's Web3 has so many incredible technology use cases, of course, a bunch of bad actors. You have FTX and the whole debacle around that. There's a lot of things that gave crypto and Web3 a bad name. We're kind of looking at AI and trying to avoid those same problems. Something that I feel like not a lot of people are talking about specifically is AI models or different AI technology that can be problematic in its ideologies, biases, and other areas embedded in the models. This is something that's really tricky because, um, like you mentioned, if you're looking for a company from an investor perspective, you want traction, you want to, you know, like demand. But let's say you find that company that has traction, demand, it seems awesome, but it has these other underlying issues. Um, yeah. And uh, think about this from the perspective of like FTX, right? This was a company that had a lot of traction, raised a lot of money. It had some very glaring underlying issues that yeah. other people overlooked essentially yeah. because of it was this shining star that could the shiny object. Yeah, it could multiply your money. So like, yep. so when you're looking at AI, what do you think the responsibility of investors is specifically? Do you think we're going to actually get to a point where, let's say, there is an incredible AI that has raised a hundred million dollars, absolutely crushing it with demand, but it has very problematic ideologies or something? Do you think we're going to see those same things catapulted to number one yes. in the AI space? And how do we, we use this? We will see that. And that's what's scary. So I don't think we can predict what's going to happen. We have no idea of the endless opportunities for AI. Like, I think that's what's amazing about the technology is like, we're literally touching the 1% of what this technology could actually do. And so we don't know what we don't know. Um, and while I would say, yes, it's an investor's responsibility to invest, you know, invest in things that aren't going to cause harm to people or uh, create deeper problems in the ecosystem, a lot of investors don't know right now, like what's going to happen to open AI in the future. They could become a horrible organization. Their AI could develop and maybe they're building adversarial AI, right? Like um, there are so many things that we just can't predict. And that's the point of regulation and also having, you know, nonprofit organizations that are AI watchdogs that are trying to build more uh, systems around how we build um, the ethics around AI, thinking about bias as well. Who is, who are the people building these AIs? Generally white males. And so it's leaving out a large, you know, part, part of our population and their representation. And that's a bad thing. It doesn't mean it's turning into a horrible situation yet, but we need to get ahead of it and prepare for mm -hmm. those things. So um, I agree. I think that like, yes, we're going to see some, wherever there is an opportunity to make a lot of money, you will have bad actors. I think the things we need to be more concerned about for AI are what our quote unquote adversaries could be doing. Other countries who are using AI to, let's say, manipulate our system. So like, you know, we have autonomous vehicles. They are, you know, coming in with adversarial AI to change stop signs um, so that like our, our vehicles actually don't stop. And then it's creating chaos for pedestrians and what's happening. Like little things like that are the deeper problem. 
I don't foresee it becoming, um, uh, you know, this big, scary company turning into, you know, or AI robot taking over the world. No, but there are small things that can start chipping away at our nation, at our, our society and our systems that we need to be aware of and prepared for. Yeah, I appreciate that perspective on that for sure. Trisha, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. You've had so many incredible insights. Uh, this has been amazing. We'll have to get you back on someday. And then someday I'm going to pick your brain on uh, the entire story of uh, your blockchain <laughs> company workshop because that is incredibly interesting. Um, and everything that happened there. If people want to find you, um, contact you, or find out more about the programs, you know, Techstars and everything else you're working on, what's the best place for people to connect? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm on, reach out to me on LinkedIn. My name on LinkedIn is Trisha Martinez Saab. And my Twitter is at Trisha Tita. I uh, would love to connect with anyone. Happy to answer questions. If you're a founder and you want to build and you just need more guidance or you're interested in Techstars, please reach out. Always available. Thank you so much. Will do. And for all of the listeners, thank you so much for tuning into the AI Chat Podcast. We will catch you next time and have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you for listening to today's podcast episode, breaking down how AI is impacting your industry. Today's episode is sponsored by AI Box, a no-code AI app builder and marketplace, which just launched a crowdfunding campaign. If you are interested in investing in a new AI startup, you can go to republic.com slash AI dash box. I'll leave a link in the show notes as well to learn more. The minimum investment is $150 and the maximum investment is $100,000. Until next time, have a fantastic day.